Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of the light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let's uh, come before God in prayer now as we consider his word. Um, Father, we uh, uh, do thank you that you have revealed your truth to us, uh, that you have brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And we pray for ourselves now as we consider this word that we would uh, take it seriously as a word from you. And Father, that uh, as a result we would be people who seek to uh, to know your will and to live in a way that is worthy of you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to ask you a, a couple of questions as we uh, <clears throat> begin today. And uh, firstly, I uh, want to get you to reflect on uh, your Christian life and think about this. Is it your desire that you should be a Christian who is uh, fully... Uh, completely a spiritual Christian? Is that the desire that you have for your life? I would hope that it would be, uh, but of course it depends on what I mean by a fully complete spiritual Christian, doesn't it? Um, the other question I want to ask you is this, is sometimes do you feel that you're not exactly like that? Uh, do you feel from time to time that, uh, uh, that you're a bit flat spiritually? and that indeed that the Christian life can be a bit of a hard, long slog, uh, a bit of a grind even. You sometimes feel that way? You're probably not alone if you do. And the reason I ask these questions is because uh, from time to time someone will come along and uh, they will be offering a fuller, more complete, uh, a, uh, a higher Christian life uh, that can actually uh, give you a greater degree 
of satisfaction. Now, uh, in my experience, there's a number of ways that I've seen this happening. Um, sometimes completeness is offered through a higher experience of God. I wonder if that's something that you've come across. Uh, I remember there, there have been some kind of some movements which have sort of swept through churches around the world. Uh, back in the 1980s, the uh, the great uh, movement that was sweeping through churches. Uh, was all about um, power evangelism and power healing. Uh, I, on one occasion with Cassie, went to a meeting at was Sydney Showground when there was about uh, 10,000 people gathered. And uh, what we were told from the uh, front was that uh, it's, uh, it's quite possible, in fact it's God's desire, that all Christians uh, should do have the potential and should be miraculously healing people uh, in the way that Jesus did. And it's when we start doing that, then people will actually listen to the, uh, the message that we, uh, that we teach. Um, in the 1990s, a big movement was called the Toronto Blessing. Does anyone remember that? Um, sometimes it was referred to as the, the Laughing Revival. And the idea was that there was a church uh, called the, the Airport Vineyard Church in Toronto in Canada and uh, thousands upon thousands of, 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 of Christians were travelling from various parts of the world to go to the airport uh, vineyard um, uh, church. I was going to say hotel, it sounds like a... Uh, to the church there. And uh, they, would, uh, they would receive this uh, special touch from God where they would uh, fall over on the ground. I've seen videos of it and they would be laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing uncontrollably and uh, then they would take uh, that blessing back to the churches in various parts of the world where they had come from so that others could, uh, you know, could share in this full spiritual experience. And many Australian churches and uh, people I know uh, were drawn into this. So that uh, experience is a bit dated though, that's the 1990s. I think in the, in the 2000s there have been other similar movements, some much smaller movements, but um, probably the biggest movement has been the prosperity gospel, uh, where they're saying that you know, if you want the, the complete blessing of God, then God wants you to, uh, to prosper. He wants you to be uh, materially uh, wealthy and he also wants you to be healthy. So, you know, uh, Christ has um, died so that we'll be uh, healed of all of our sicknesses. God doesn't want you to be sick now. And so if you only have enough faith, then uh, you will be healed of your sickness. That's the full blessing from God in this life. Now, other times, so that's the uh, experiential uh, completeness. Other times the complete Christian life is offered uh, not through experiences but rather through special and, and higher knowledge. Uh, that there are people who have this knowledge about what God wants uh, you, you to be doing and they want to share that knowledge with you. Um, particularly it's knowledge about rules and regulations that if you uh, don't do certain things and if you do do other things then you'll be more complete as a Christian. And it's often to do with food regulations. 
So for example, a lady that Cassie and I minister to on a regular basis, uh, she was taught in her church that uh, as the antidote for her spiritual dryness, that uh, there was a whole regime of uh, do's and don'ts in respect to foods. So don't eat these foods, do eat these foods, and uh, that'll actually fix uh, your sense of spiritual dryness. And it's that sense of spiritual dryness which uh, you and I may feel from time to time. And when someone comes along saying, hey, it's really good that you're a Christian, but there is something more, there is a, uh, a new revelation, there is a fresh movement of the Spirit of God, and God wants it for you, then we can see why it is that, that, that people get drawn in uh, to these movements. And what it seems, when we read through Colossians, uh, it seems that uh, there's nothing new in this, and that something similar was happening uh, in the church in Colossae and uh, uh, perhaps in other churches in the Lycus Valley, the uh, uh, area of Asia Minor uh, where Colossae was located. In fact, the issue of spiritual fullness uh, appears to be the very reason why Paul has written this letter to the Christians in Colossae. Uh, when we look at chapter 2 in a couple of weeks' time, we will see that there were some people who were telling the Christians that there was a higher experience of God to be had, uh, that they could be drawn up into the heavenlies and that they could actually be partakers and witness uh, angels worshipping God. Um, <clears throat> it seems also, uh, we see in chapter 2, that they were imposing certain regulations, do's and don'ts, and particularly with respect to foods. And so that's the underlying issue uh, throughout the book of Colossians. And uh, we, we actually saw a little bit of a hint in last week's passage that there was a problem in the church. If you care to open your Bibles at Colossians chapter 1, uh, because in... Um, <clears throat> In verses 6 and 7, uh, Paul reminded the Colossians of how they heard the gospel in the first place. Now, who did they hear the gospel from? Who was it who took the gospel to Colossae? Can anyone remember? His name was? His name was? Epaphras. Right. Now, Epaphras was a Colossian, but he had gone to Ephesus where Paul had taught for two years in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And he took the gospel back with him to Colossae. And uh, Paul really exalts the ministry of Epaphras in the opening verses of Colossians. And in verses 6 and 7, he reminds them that when they first heard the gospel from Epaphras, that they heard the gospel in its truth. Now, it's not as if Epaphras... Uh, gave them part one of the gospel, you know, just to kind of get them off the blocks. And that what would be necessary would be for some other people to come in and give them part two of the gospel, you know, so that they could uh, uh, have fullness in God. Now, what Paul says here that they, it was that they heard and they understood God's grace in its truth. 
and there's a sense there in all of its truth. Now in today's passage, and I'm preaching from verses 9 through to 14, Paul now wants the Colossian Christians to know that he has been caring for them. Um, one of the ways that we care for people is to go and visit them and have face-to-face uh, contact with them and to teach them the word. Paul didn't do that, did he? Um, why is it that he didn't go and visit the Christians in Colossae? Does anyone know? He couldn't, could he? Because he was in? He was in prison. Uh, he was in jail at the time. And being in prison does kind of make it a little bit difficult to go out and visit people, especially when they're living hundreds of kilometres away. But whilst in prison, he did care for them. And how is it that he cared for them? Well, in verse 9, he prayed for them. Have a look at verse 9. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Uh, it's about commitment, isn't it? Uh, Paul, you know, he didn't, it wasn't just that he heard about some people become Christians in Colossae and he praised God for that for about a week or so. No, he says, ever since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Paul is a discipler. Paul, prayer, Paul cares for people in their ongoing Christian lives. But what is it that he prayed for them? And that's the critical thing that I want to draw out today. Have a look at the second part of verse 9. He says, for this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, is Paul concerned that the Colossians should have fullness, spiritual fullness? Is he concerned about that? Yes, absolutely. That's always been his concern. And that's what he's been praying for them. He's been praying that they would be filled. He was been praying that they would have all uh, that God has for them. But, but, but it's what he prays that they would be filled with is the issue. And he's been praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Knowledge of God's will. Now, when he prays for that, uh, it's not in an intellectual sense alone. But he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of the scriptures, uh, the knowledge of the apostolic teaching, which, of course, is focused on Jesus. Remember, the Colossians didn't have all of the Bible as we have it, do they? Uh, they had the Old Testament. Um, there's one book of the New Testament we definitely know that they had. That was the book of Colossians. <laughs> they certainly had the book of Colossians. Uh, but they had the apostolic teaching of the cross of Christ. And so Paul prays that they would be filled with this knowledge, the kind of knowledge that Epaphras has taken to them. But why should they be filled with knowledge? 
Well, in verses 10 through to 12, he tells them. Uh, in verse 10, uh, he says, And we pray this in order that. So here's the purpose. Here's the reason why we've been praying that you'd be filled with knowledge. It is in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Uh, I love that, um, that concept of, of living a life that is worthy of the Lord. Um, the other way that that can be translated, and it's a more literal translation, is to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. And that's, that's, that's the way the New Testament writers often express themselves, that the, that, that the Christian life is a walk. Uh, and and that's, that's got colour, that's got um, expression in it, I think. It uh, fills out the picture because uh, it's not just knowledge for the sake of head knowledge, uh, so that you, know, you can talk the talk, as they say, it's knowledge so that you can not just talk the talk, but you can walk the walk as the American Southern Negro Christians always talking about, walking the walk, brother. And it's here in this passage. It's about the Christian life is a journey, it is a walk. And it's about pleasing God in not just a few, few different ways, but pleasing God in, what does it say? In every way. And so here what we see is that this language of fullness, this language of completeness, and it actually is sprinkled all the way through the book of Colossians. Paul keeps on talking about being filled, about, every, about being uh, all and every and all of those words of completeness. And this is important because here we see what it means to be a truly spiritual Christian. It's about how we live our lives in response to the gospel. That's true spirituality. Remember in verse 6 that uh, Paul said that the gospel was bearing fruit and was growing uh, all over the world. Well, here he prays that the Colossians would be bearing fruit and would be growing. That they would be bearing fruit in every good work. See that? The word every. In every good work. And that they would be growing in the knowledge of God. That's true spirituality. It's about knowing God and obeying him. Now, you know, when you think about it, it's pretty simple stuff, really, isn't it? There's nothing particularly complex that the truly spiritual person is the person who knows God and who obeys him. Nothing particularly fancy about that. But it's hard work. It's hard, isn't it? Do you find it hard sometimes? Do you find it hard to keep on growing in your knowledge of God? I find that hard. I'll tell you why it's hard. It's hard because it requires a commitment. It requires discipline. Uh, it requires the kind of uh, discipline that means that we will be reading our Bibles regularly, that we'll be uh, reading the scriptures every day if possible. Uh, it's the kind of commitment that means that we'll be gathering together with other Christians in small groups so that we can discuss the Bible in church here on Sunday so we can be listening to the Bible being read and taught and 
and talking about that with one another so that we can be absorbing ourselves uh, in the knowledge of God's will through the scriptures. That's actually, uh, that's, that's a, when you do it, it's a great joy, isn't it? <laughs> but it does require discipline. Because you know what? It's not what Satan wants for your life. Satan doesn't want you to be increasing in your knowledge of God and his will. Satan wants your knowledge of God and his will to be heading south, to be decreasing all of the time. And he will put all sorts of obstacles in your way. Uh, laziness, um, apparent busyness. Uh, and sometimes he, what he'll do is he'll actually bring into, into your life some of these other movements that are going to be saying to you, hey, the true spirituality is not found in knowing God's will, but actually in some other new experience or some other discipline of food laws and so on. So knowing God's will is hard because what we're involved in here, friends, is a spiritual battlefield and we, we, we are fighting against the world, the flesh and the devil uh, and that's why it's difficult. But if knowing God's will is hard, then you know what's harder? Obeying God's will. <laughs> that's even harder. Saying... Saying yes to God and saying no to sin in the rough and tumble of this fallen world, uh, in, our, in our workplaces, uh, in our schools, uh, in our families, in our neighbourhoods. It's when you're actually uh, making decisions to stand up for and to do that which is right in God's sight, uh, then that's tough because we're in combatants. We are combatants in this spiritual battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that, but I want to say this, that that is why Paul prays for the Colossians. That's why he's praying for them. Have a look at what else he prays for them in verse 11, because in verse 11 he prays that they would be strengthened with all power, all power, according to God's glorious might, so that they may have great endurance and patience and joyful thanks. So there, he prays for them to be strengthened with God's power. And you see, when you think about it, the standard of spirituality which is being set by the, the false teachers in Colossae, it's actually a very low standard of spirituality. They claim that it's a newer, that's a higher standard of spirituality, but it's actually very low. I mean, um, you know, don't eat certain foods, do eat other foods. That's easy. Um, come along and get a special zap, you know, a special experience from God. That's easy. But actually knowing God's will and walking in a way that is worthy of him, that's hard. That is a higher standard of spirituality and in our own strength we can't do it. But we don't have to rely on our own strength. We have to be engaged in it. But guess what? Paul prays that the Colossians would be strengthened with the strength that comes from God who is able uh, to help us as we seek to live a life that is worthy of him. And so it's all power that comes from God. 
And notice again the completeness of that, that it is all power, uh, not just part of God's power, but it is all power that comes from God. And in verse 11, it is so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyful thanks. Now, I find the word that's translated as endurance to be particularly interesting because it's a word that comes from, uh, from the battlefield. Uh, it, it's like um, when soldiers have taken a... Um, when, when soldiers in a battle have uh, taken a position and they're in that position and they're fighting to hold that position but they're under constant barrage, constant attack uh, from their enemies, but nevertheless they hold that position no matter the cost. And it's that kind of endurance that Paul is talking about here. It's that endurance that says that, no, I'm actually firmly committed to the gospel of truth, and I'm firmly committed to not only uh, knowing the truth, but walking the walk and making, living my life in a way that is worthy of God, bearing fruit in every good work. It's taking that stand. It's holding the ground. And that's what Paul means by endurance. Enduring right to the end, being faithful to God all our lives. And we can do that through the strength that he provides. And that's what it means to be truly spiritual. The truly spiritual person is the person who doesn't budge when it comes to knowing God and obeying him. Now, some people might say, well, look, yeah, we, all, we know all of that, but you know, that's not particularly exciting. It's not especially uh, uh, you know, um, spectacular because there's all these new things that you can also get involved in. But that is because despite their claim to a higher level of spirituality, then in fact they are unspiritual. Because they lack spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we know that. Because they have not understood and they have not valued the spiritual experience that the Colossians have already had. Which was what? Well, before Epaphras came and brought them the word of life, how, what was their spiritual state? In chapter 1, verse 21, they were alienated from God. They didn't care about God. They didn't want to know about God. They were enemies of God because of their evil behaviour and they were living their lives in spiritual darkness. They were heading straight for hell. But now, in verse 12, these same people are joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's a pretty amazing experience, don't you reckon? It's, it's like Israel. When Israel was living in, uh, in Egypt, Egypt is the sort of... Um, epitome of the, the land of darkness because they were slaves in Egypt and God lifted them up he took them out, he rescued them from Egypt and he went and 
put them into a different land, into the promised land. And what Paul is saying here is that that is what God has done um, for them. Uh, For the Israelites in Egypt, it was through a series of cataclysmic events that he rescued them. What Paul has done for the Colossians and for himself and for you and me is that he's rescued us. He's done so through one cataclysmic event and that is the death of his son. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And that word dominion there, it it really means the, the authority, the tyranny of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, in five days from now, it'll be Good Friday. And I I hope that you will be able to be here in church on Good Friday because I could think of no better day to preach on what Paul says next in verses 15 to 23 than on Good Friday. Because in verses 15 through to 23, we learn about who God's Son is, that Jesus uh, is in fact the one who is before everything, that Jesus is the one uh, by whom and for whom all things have been created, that all of God's fullness dwells in him. And guess what? He died for you. You want to have a complete spiritual experience? That's the one. (laughs) To be rescued, to be redeemed, to be forgiven, to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. There can be no better experience than that. It always comes back to the gospel, doesn't it? Um, I remember uh, a friend of mine once... She'd become a Christian and uh, she'd been a Christian for a few years and uh, her life circumstances changed a little bit and life became uh, more complex and she was dealing with some, uh, some issues of life and she was a bit down. And uh, some of her friends told her that the reason that she felt down was because she did not have the full spiritual experience of God. She had the gospel, yes, but she didn't have the full experience. And so they said to her that if she came along to their church, then she could receive a a special touch from God, Um, the the, the special anointing, uh, the part two of God's blessing. That was tempting for her. I wonder, uh, how would you counsel a person in that situation? Um, what, what, would you, what would you have said to her? Obviously, it's a long conversation because people's lives are complex and you don't want to just sort of splurt out slick answers to people all of the time. But in the end, I said to her what I would say to every Christian who is tempted to look beyond the gospel for full spiritual satisfaction And that is to keep on looking back to the cross of Jesus and considering who Jesus is and considering what Jesus has done. 
to consider what it means for God the Son to die for you so that you could be one who has a share, has a part in that spiritual inheritance of all of the saints and hold your ground, dig in. Don't budge from the gospel. Keep on coming back to the word of God, reading the scriptures, filling your mind, filling your heart with the knowledge of God and praying and rely on God's strength because he will give you the strength to persevere and to endure, to keep on obeying him in the battlefield which is life. And that, friends, is true spirituality. It's about knowing God's will and doing God's will and trusting in his strength. Let's pray. Father, we pray for ourselves. We pray that uh, in all of the issues that we uh, deal with in life, that uh, we would be Uh, seeking to be people who are filled with the knowledge of your will. Uh, Not for the sake of simply having intellectual stimulation, but rather uh, so that we would uh, have all spiritual uh, wisdom and understanding uh, and, and that we would live lives, we would walk in a way that is worthy of you, uh, bearing fruit in every good deed and growing in the knowledge of you, Father, pleasing you in every way. Strengthen us by the, by the power of your might that we would be able to do that, that we would have uh, patience and perseverance and endurance to the very end. And we pray that we would encourage each other in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen.